We've been threatening to do this podcast for several weeks now, and now we're doing it. It's been a month. It's yeah, no, because it was like it was like mid. No, it actually probably has been a month. Yeah, I was. We got the idea when I was streaming Beyond Good and Evil, and that was before Smash Bros came out, which was a month. Yeah, yeah, because you were streaming Beyond Good and Evil. So yeah, so what happened? The reason this podcast exists is because Netflix announced that they were bringing Neon Genesis Evangelion, my favorite anime to netflix uh so that people could actually watch it because if you've up until now if you've wanted to watch it you had to be a naughty pirate and go on, on the internet um not saying that i've done that um <laughs> this this podcasts are not uh, valid evidence in court um, you, you can't you can't uh you can't convict a husband and wife of the same crime and so <laughs> wait, wait, which of us is the husband i don't know okay and so, inspired by um, legal anime watching, yeah, we decided to do our inaugural episode on Gunbuster, which you can only get through naughty, naughty piracy. Yeah, because uh, that's the thing about anime, is that it's hard to find streaming in a lot of places, especially older anime. So, Gunbuster is a 1989 original video animation series from Studio Gainax, directed by Hideaki Anno, who later went on to make Evangelion and also a bunch of other stuff, including the new Godzilla movie, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is good. Um, so, Gunbuster is is a mech show. It's, uh, it, and it, like, watching it was super fascinating. So, like, I guess we'll start with, did you like this show, Alex? I liked it more than I expected I would. I it's 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 good it, it was good by anime standards. That the lowest bar in the world. <laughs> lowest bar. Do you think Cody. we should just do do you think we should just upload an episode 0 that's just like all of Edward Said's orientalism and then we can get into this? Uh, uh I I have it on my bookshelf if you want to do it. <laughs> yeah, we can just reading. Yeah, we can just do uh do an audiobook. That'll be episode zero. Is just before we engage in this, we just have to go read Orientalism, and then we can talk about anime. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I, I don't know. To I, I, I enjoyed it both more than I expected and less than I expected. I enjoyed it differently than I expected. Oh, had you not seen it before? I'd never seen it before. No, no. Oh, I, I had okay. heard I thought... of Gunbuster. I, I had, I had heard that it was the thing that Anno did before Ava, but I had never watched it because it's a pain in the ass to get a hold of. Right. Um, no. So yeah. So okay. So we both went in fresh. Yes. Uh, except for you, who untainted. watched its its spiritual predecessor, <laughs> Top Gun. <laughs> I didn't watch the other one, which was um... Aim for the Top. Aim for the top. So yeah, is, so this is, is, that, yeah. is that a tennis anime? It's a tennis anime. It's like a tennis anime from the seventies. Um, so yeah, so if you the uh, let me let me bring this up on Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh no, the, the Gunbuster in Japan is called Aim for the Top. The tennis anime right. is called Aim for the Ace, and right. the title of Gunbuster in Japan 
is a pun on Aim for the Ace and Top Gun. Um, right. Quote, whose plot inspired Gunbusters. <laughs> no, it, and, it, and it did. Like, I, we, I'll... I'll... I, this is actually the first time I've seen Top Gun, but it's it's probably more fresh in my memory than it is in yours. Yeah, I haven't seen Top Gun um, since I was like twelve, um, and so, I the only thing I remember about it is the homoerotic volleyball scene, right? Which uh, is not in Gunbuster. Unfortunately, there's plenty. There's, there's the home. There's homoerotic bath scene, but yeah. that's not really. That's it's not funny. even that homoerotic, really. <sighs> true. True. God, this show could have been so much gayer. It really could have. Uh, well, I mean, what do you expect? Like, like fan service in the 80s. Yeah, because that's the thing about, like, OVAs is that they, like, especially OVAs in the 80s is that because you're not going on television, you can just do whatever the fuck you want. Okay, I was going to actually wonder about that. I was going to wonder if it was more like we had the titties full out because... It, I forgot it wasn't ever on TV. Yes, I, I was. I was wondering if it was because this was before they were worrying about international markets, or if it was just the times. But okay, that you, yeah, that makes yeah. Sense. So if you if you don't know anything about anime, an OVA is short for Original Video Animation, and it's basically Japan's version of or anime's version of direct to video. Like you, you just you you pr- a company will produce something and then just sh- shove it out on. I guess back in the day it would have been VHS or like DVD, and these days like streaming services or whatever. Um, and back in the eighties, like so, Gainax did a number of OVA series before Gunbuster and before they started doing actual TV series. Um, I think the first the first TV series that they did was also directed by Ano, and it was Nadia's Secret of Blue Water. Um, so yeah, so that's why that's why there's so much titty. Like this show, I mentioned the word titty in my notes so many times. <laughs> I I because there's no titty in episode one, but for some reason in and episode all of a sudden, yeah, it yeah, just in episode one. But like the third note, like the third line of my notes in for my in my text file for episode one is look at all that titty, and I don't remember <laughs> what I was talking about. But you didn't I put timestamps. I didn't put timestamps. No, I should have. Um, cause some of these I remember, I remember what the, what, what I'm talking about, and I don't know what I'm talking about with the titty, um, because, like, I, <laughs> I was I think I know not, what you're talking about. I, I was not prepared for the, because in episode two, my notes for the bath scene in episode two is just, oh fuck, this show has titties. <laughs> I didn't put, I didn't even write that down, I think I was just too shocked. Um, yeah, I wrote, oh, fuck, this show has titties, and then I wrote, at minute 13 in the second episode, we've already seen all three of our main female characters naked. Um, and then, like, at the end of the scene, I'm just, I, I, because, so, if you haven't, if you haven't watched the show, I don't know why you're listening to this, but, um... Well, they're I, trying I, to figure out how much titty if it's worth yeah, it. Yeah, it's worth it. So the thing is, there's a lot of titty, and this, this there's this bath scene where it's just it's just Noriko and God, who is her fucking senpai. What's her name? I don't remember. Um, uh, Amano. Amano, and they're like just Amano. like in the bath, um, like hanging out, um, and then the like the communist lady comes in. Young Freud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Young Freud. Oh spelled man! Like Carly, spelled like spelled like Carly Young. Yeah, spelled like. <laughs> that's also her rap name is Young Freud. 
And then God, young, what, what I also, there actually is a rapper called that. I also love how how extremely like late 80s this show is. Like this show was released a year before the Berlin Wall came down and they're still like well clearly in the distant future where we're fighting space monsters the Soviet Union's going to exist. Um so and literally like the scene has nothing to do with the fact that they're nude. Like they just are and and young Freud god that name is so good. <laughs> it's so good. Young Freud will um she doesn't even, like, get in the tub. Because, like, that's the way that, like, anime shows that are broadcast on TV and anime usually released now will do it is, like, oh, you get to do the fan service thing, but they're all, like, in the tub so, like, their nipples are covered, but you get to see them, like, technically nude. Uh, but right. now, like, one, not only is the water, like, transparent so you can clearly see how nude they are, um, young Freud just, like, sits on the edge of the bath <laughs> for the entire conversation so you can just <laughs> stare at her titties for the whole thing um and it's it's just like why did we why did we have to be naked for this they didn't fuck around in the 80s they really did not fuck around although because the other thing about every single anime bath scene is that you have to then end it with the sort of comedic like oh the guys are trying to like get in and look at and spy on the girls and this one had i fucking i fucking fell over laughing at the one that happened because it's just the thing that happens is like 30 dudes in, like, their mechs, like, fly past the window, like, chanting. They each each probably get, like, a maximum of, like, half a second of actually being able to look through the window into the bath. But it's the funniest fucking thing in the world is just all these dudes doing, like, football player chants as they fly past the window. (laughs) Thank you for reminding me about that part, because, yeah, I, I, I forgot. Uh, yeah. yeah um, so that's that's one thing that that did. So I this show is both to get back to sort of general impressions. This show is both like more more silly and less silly than well, geez, than I was anticipating. Um, because so like I before I watched the show, I looked at the the episode titles that they have listed on Wikipedia, and they're all very anime. The episode titles are like, Shock, Big Sister and I are going to be pilots together? Right, um, <laughs> right, right, right. Daring, the girl genius challenger. So, so I was expecting this to be extremely wacky, which right. was which was very... It, it is. It is, it is but, extremely wacky, but it, I was expecting it, it to be wacky in a way that was very different from Ava. Like, Ava has mm-hmm. some of that stuff, but like Ava is, by and large, sort of like a very sort of dark show, and it gets darker mm-hmm. as it goes on. Um... And from these titles, I was expecting this to be like a very like oh wacky mech adventure, and it does it it, it is that, but it's also it, it 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 plays with some of like some of like darker themes that I think mech shows are usually expected to be playing with, at least yeah. sort of post Gundam. Yeah, and, and yeah, and and like especially the last episode is very yeah like serious and. Yeah, like almost artistic. Yeah, so we should we should probably uh, if if I imagine that a number of people are going to be listening to this episode without having watched the show because it's it's a uh, uh, a huge pain in the ass to to watch this show. Um, so I we should probably briefly summer attempt to summarize what the show is about, which is that it's about yeah. it's about this this teenager named Noriko 
who it goes to like a, a like a special military I don't know I was unclear if it was like a special military high school for special boys or if it was like like everyone goes to the high school where you where you do mechs and PE class because there's monsters right. in space I was unclear on that I, I didn't feel I, I I don't think I don't know if they really established like whether or not that was normal um, yeah, is is like mech fighting an elective, or is it... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like is uh, is she going to like the mecha like mecha West Point, um, right, right, or right. is this just like normal normal high school? Um, and she's but she's like in training to like go into space to fight the space monsters, and so like they're just called space monsters in this show. They're called uh, like I don't I don't remember what the uh, yeah U- Uchu Kaiju. Um, oh, okay. but in, um, in Super Robot Wars, which is a, a Super Nintendo game based on a number of mech shows from the 80s, uh, they are not called the Space Monsters, they are called the Space Terrible Monster Crowd. <laughs> That's excellent. It's so good. It's so good. Um, so yeah, so she, uh, is... It, I the beginning of the show has like weird conflicting like messages on on what kind of person she is because like the first in, introduction we get to Noriko is that she's like doing jump ropes with her pal and is like getting super buff to go to space to be like her dad and yeah, then as soon as like she, the... yeah and then as soon as she gets into into the mech she just immediately fucking eats shit um, right so like there's. Yeah, it it, it, it 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 does some weird things with like the training montages and the intro, like. Yeah, like it's it's very. It, it reminds me. So when I was watching the first episode, it reminded me a ton of the first episode of Evangelion, which we're going to watch at some point in the future. Um, and but it reminded me a ton because that also is what happens to Shinji in the first episode of Evangelion is that his dad calls him and is like, you need to get in the robot. He's like, I don't want to get in the robot. And then he gets in the <laughs> robot and then he just fucking completely eats shit immediately. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it's, it, but like here it's really, it's played for comedy. Like it's, it's played for yeah. like, oh, like everybody else is running laughs really easily. And then she's just like, and, and then Noriko is just like completely incapable of of performing even the most basic tasks whereas in in Ava it's very much played for it's very much played for like oh this is our last hope for humanity and he's a fucking moron yeah it's a little more contrived because i mean it only like and partly because they have to move quickly cuz it's only six episodes but um yeah like it's like obviously physically like capable but can't drive a mac learns learns to drive a mac and then after episode one, she's pretty, she's, her only weakness is, like, not being con, not believing in her herself or whatever. So, yeah, like, like, she, the show is extremely fast-paced. It's, um, and I kind of appreciate that. Um, I, I wrote in my notes, I really appreciate the breezy pace of this show. Um, <laughs> because... A lot of anime, and Ava is guilty of this too, is like, because you have to fill up like 24 episodes in a season, but you only, you don't really have that much to say. Right. Like you just kind of right. fill it up with a bunch of trash. Whereas this like show, most, yeah. This most like 26 episode shows yeah. will have at least one just like fan service episode. Yeah. Yeah. This, you go to the beach and everybody gets their titties all out or whatever. Th- um, this one just squeezed it into that one little yeah, scene. Yeah. You squeeze it. I mean, there's so much like, there's so much just like, like that one bath scene is like obviously the most like straight up just like we're all just gonna, like we're gonna, it's, rather than having like bits of fan service strewn throughout the entire thing, 
uh, we're just gonna have one scene where you just see them entirely nude. Like they might as well as like it might as well just like they all go to the gynecologist. Like, good lord. Um, so it's like, are you happy? You got it. We got that out of our system. Let's let's now let's move on. But did you mention that uh, Noriko's dad is dead? Yes, right. So Noriko's dad okay. was like a famous was like a famous space space boy, um, and he died like heroically. Uh, just like Tom Cruise's dad. Just like Tom Cruise's dad. Uh, and he died heroically, and so Noriko wants to go up into... Wanted, when she was a kid, she wanted to go up into space to be with him. Now she wants to go up into space to, like... Like, I... I, I don't really know how to phrase it. Like, she wants to go up into space because her dad died in space, and she wants to be in space, like just like her dad, you know? Follow, yeah, follow, follow in his... In his wake. Yeah. Take, take up his mantle. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she, um, she's, she's this, like, shitty, incompetent nerd uh, who, who can't operate a mech, even though she's really good at jumping rope. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, she, she, has a tra- she gets selected to be one of the two people who goes into space. Right. Um, she and Amano. Yeah, which is, uh, very much annoys uh, the... Everyone. Every, everyone, but mainly this, like... Um, uh, Kashihara, that's that's her, like, sort of, like, the, the girl that everyone thought was gonna go to space. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And there's there's this fantastic, like, you can very much see the DNA of Evangelion in this scene, where Kashihara goes into, like, this, like, dimly lit room with Coach to, like, yell at him about why she wasn't selected to go to space, and it's, like, the lighting and the staging and everything is extremely, like, every scene where somebody is in a room with... Uh, Shinji's dad in Eva and they're both like on like opposite sides of like a really long room and the whole thing is like monochrome and they're just like very like passive aggressively talking to each other um right so I mean the coach just selects her because she has the unspecified potential yeah I mean we also figure out in episode two that her dad and and coach were teammates and the dad sacrificed himself for the coach, just like Tom Cruise's dad did for the coach in Top Gun. Um, and so, anyway, that's why coach picks Noriko. Yeah. Even though There's, she sucks. Yeah, she sucks, and she... So so coach decides to, uh, to, to like, get her really buff, and, like, they do, like, a, a super ludicrous, very 80s training montage where she, she she's jumping rope, but this time in a mech. Um, you know, it's, it's extremely, you know, like the, like the loading screens from Mike Tyson's punch out where you're just like, you're just like running down, running down the beach with your, your weird coach following you, um, following you on a bike, uh, with the Statue of Liberty in the background. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, then she, so she, she finally gets like basic competence with the operation of a mech and then... Uh, Kashihara is like, it's like, well, if I can't convince Coach to uh, let you go to, to not, to let me go to space in place of you, then I'm just going to kill you. I'm just going to fucking murder you. And they get into this, like, like cla- extremely classic, like, meet me at 3 p.m. after school, like, out back by the playground kind of, kind of fight, except they're in mechs. Um, it's, it's extremely good. Um, and Noriko just gets the sh- fucking shit beaten out of her because she's she, all she's ever done is jump rope and run down the beach with the Statue of Liberty in the back. And she's never fought anyone before. Um, 
<laughs> until until and so so they're fighting and then she like she, she like turns off her targeting computer it's 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 straight up just the bit from a new hope where i know you, i, I was yeah. about to say like this is where the, the star wars yeah i literally wrote this. in my notes you've turned off your targeting computer what's Me wrong too. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes luke you've turned off your targeting computer yeah, it's, it's extremely, yeah, so she shuts off, like, all of, like, the electronics in her mech, and then she just, like, beats the shit, and then she, like, uses the force or whatever to beat the shit out of Kashihara, um, and then, and, get, and then gets on a plane to the, space. And that's not, like, an entire only Star Wars thing, like, Top oh, yeah. Gun does the oh, yeah. same thing, like, um, Tom Cruise gets chewed out for doing an, a maneuver that, like, should be impossible, but he, he is got such good intuition and whatever yeah uh, but but yeah the targeting computer it was uh, so blatant and we see even we see the imperial battle cruisers come in in episode two so it's yeah. like this, there's no denying like, how much yeah. they just ripped off star wars yeah um and then they get i wrote i wrote in here japan airlines goes to space apparently because they <gasps> oh right yeah, they get on a plane to space and the plane just straight up says japan airlines on the side of it um <laughs> So that's that's still around in the future, um, and that's pretty much what happens in uh, in in episode one. Is is she she wins the fight and goes to space? Um, okay. I did write at the bottom of this of my notes at episode one that I did need to bring this up, which is that uh, I found this out from from the Gunbuster Wikipedia article, uh, which is that uh, there is a there so like. Gynax had in the in the eighties made like a bunch of like porn games for the MSX that were like <laughs> that were like strip quiz games where it's like you answer trivia questions and then the girls get more nude and uh, there was in fact the third installment in that series was in fact focused on characters from Gunbuster uh, and it was called Cybernetic High School. Oh fuck. Um. <laughs> Are you gonna stream it? Yeah, I'm gonna stream it and get banned from Twitch.tv. <laughs> um, hey, I didn't get banned for streaming Wolfenstein, where Anya got fully nude. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when we talk about episode six. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so episode two. Uh, the first note that I have in, in the beginning of episode two is the least comfortable earbuds of all time. <laughs> Because there's this, I'm going to put a link, I posted this on Mastodon when I was watching this, when I was just watching this episode, because I was like, I want to save my commentary for the, for the podcast, but everybody needs to know about these fucking earbuds. Uh, so I'll put a link to that post. Uh, there, it's like these, these like, it, it's like a stethoscope. It's got, it's like, it's just these weird, like pointy cylinders. I cannot imagine. Like, it's just, you put those in your ears and then you don't, you don't get to hear anything anymore because they destroy them. Anyway, <laughs> that's that. Um, right. uh, and then we get to meet young Freud. And when we meet young Freud, uh, in, in, in my, in my, ch cause, cause like the way that we, that we were first introduced to young Freud is while the, the plane is flying up to the space station, you get this extremely cool shot of, um, of like of like her mech floating in space, and I wrote fully automated luxury gay space communism uh, in my yeah. notes because her she has this like cool Soviet mech with like a hammer and sickle on it. Um, oh right, yeah. Uh, and this show that's that's another thing is that this show like 
it, it's really pretty. It's really good. I kept taking screenshots of it because it's extremely good looking. Um, there's all there's all sorts of shit. I, I I have my screenshots folder is just full of of mostly like the background cells and stuff because they're all they're all so good. They're all great. It's it's so good. And uh, I don't remember why I wrote this in my notes, but I wrote Christ Noriko is like a child lost in the supermarket. Uh, oh right, that's when. Okay, so what happens is is that like young Freud. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> we're never gonna be able to say that with a straight face. Young Freud, uh, it, like meets up with with Noriko and her senpai, and is like, "You want to fight me in space?" And they're instead of being like, "That's a bad idea," they're like, "Sure." Um, and then they like wander through like the guts of the space station, um, and and Noriko like gets separated from them, and she's just like wandering around, and, and she yeah, she is very much like a child lost in the supermarket. Uh, yeah, not, in my notes at this time, I basically forgotten everyone's name, so I was calling Young Helga, and <laughs> Norik, Nor, multiple times Noriko is just baby girl. Um, but like, yeah, and that like, why did they make Young Freud like a colossal bitch for like five minutes, and then she's like a relatively sympathetic character for the rest of the thing? I mean, she challenged them to the fight in order to find the alien carcass because they they like she and amano like crash into some part of the sh- ship and find an alien carcass and they're like what heck but because noriko is such a useless piece of shit like she could have gotten lost and stumbled upon that in any other way yeah, I, I'm, like, unclear on, like, the sort of, like, spatial geography of, like, where the fuck that monster carcass is, like, relative yeah, to the, where the rest of the show takes place. I have no idea. And why, why is it there? Like, I forget. What purpose does it serve later? I have no park? idea. I, I, don't, I don't even know if that ever comes up again. I don't, mm. I don't know what purpose that serves. If you know. <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm talking to the audience. Audience, if you know, uh, tweet at me. At Prophet underscore Goddess on Twitter. Uh, at Prophet underscore Goddess is skeleton dot cool at Macedon. Do, uh, do not at me. Do not at Never at Alex. <laughs> um, and then I then we get to, oh fuck, this show has titties. Um, where they, there's a very long scene of them just being nude and talking uh-huh. to each other. Um, and like planning a birthday party, I think. They're all planning a birthday party in the nude. So after they get naked and Helga becomes friends with them... Um, they discover that baby girl's dad's ship is still flying around at light speed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, that's what happens in episode three. I don't write any notes that, on this, that's, on this episode. That's episode, two, that's episode two. Oh, that's the end of episode um, two? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And so, and so they're like, let's go see if city, like soda left on there <laughs> yeah and so and so coach drops off noriko and amano and once baby girl realizes that this is her dad's ship she's like holy fuck maybe he's still there um and this isn't like the usual like could that be my dead dad over there like because of the way they do light speed physics like the time that that ship has has the time passed within that ship is like a couple days. Uh, yeah, like so. this is something that I think is really neat about this show is that they play with 
the idea, and this is not unique to this show, but it, it's something that I, I see relatively uncommon, and like it seems to be relatively uncommon, uh, is is yeah. playing with the idea of like, oh, if you're traveling close to light speed, time less time passes for you than it does at an observer yeah. traveling slower than you. So, mm. and this is like super super important to the end of the show. Um, and the only other thing that I can think of that does this this way is the Orson Scott Card novel, Speaker for the Dead. I was about uh, to bring up Orson Scott Card. Yes, um, because if you've never read Speaker for the Dead, you probably shouldn't because Orson Scott Card is an asshole. Um, <laughs> but um, an important plot point or an important sort of like element of that of that book is that it, it sort of centers around the protagonist of the first book in that series, Ender, and he becomes this sort of like sort of fi- legendary sort of infamous figure for slaughtering an entire race of aliens for no good reason. Um, and in Speaker for the Dead, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years have passed, but he's still alive because he's been traveling at light speed that entire time. So he like just sort of like goes around to like various space universities and like shows up and talks about like his role in the history. But for all of the students at these space universities, like he is some legendary figure from the distant past. So it's, it's very much like if like, if for your, for your, your, uh, like Asian history class that you took, like Genghis Khan showed up and talked about <laughs> his conquests. Does he, does he show up like in disguise or just? No, he just shows up. Ender. He just shows up as Ender and is like, "Hey, what's up? It's me, the guy." <laughs> um, uh, and then, and then, like his sister does a similar thing, but yeah, it's been too long. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about Ender's game. Yes, around ep- episode six because. I haven't read Ender's Game in a very long time. But it did it did come out just three years before this, so I feel like it's possible there was some direct influence. Anyway, back to episode two. Um, so yeah, so at the end of episode two, she, um, Noriko goes to her, da- her, her dad's her dad's spaceship, and then she like freaks out because her dad might be in there, and then she like runs to the spaceship, and then her senpai has to go rescue her. Um, and it's like very, very emotional, uh, or whatever. Cause she, she finds out basically that her dad is, is definitely dead because she goes up to like the bridge of the spaceship and it's been like completely ripped off. And the thing is still traveling at light speed, even though it's front is all fucking yeah. torn up, which like, whatever. I think it, I think the idea is that it has like a ton of momentum or something. And like, mm. so like, even if the engine were destroyed, it would still be traveling that fast. Um, but yeah, and then she she winds up going back and like cuz like the thing is is that like the longer they're traveling at light speed, like several minutes while they're traveling that fast is still like months back at at the at at the space station that's orbiting around Earth. Um so there so like for every like second that they're in space is like a ton of time wasted like rel- relative to like the rest of like the people who are commanding the mission. Um which I, I think is a really interesting conceit. I think it's done. I think it's done pretty well. And so then they oh, go no, back I... to, uh, so then they they like slow down and go back to uh, the space station. And then episode three happens, and I don't remember what happens in episode three. Okay, yeah. So episode three. So it starts with like the implication that Amano and Coach are fucking. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then. Let's see. They bring up proton torpedoes, which I forget why. So I forget what happens in the first part. I know at one point 
Amino starts getting real sick of Noriko's bullshit. Maybe just because she's a fucking coach and doesn't have time to babysit her, or... Yeah, that's kind of the... Oh, yeah, because the thing that happens is that, like, Noriko is, like, hanging out in her mech for some reason, and Coach and, and Amino are, like, out front of that mech, like, talking about how fucking bullshit uh, Noriko is and how she... And how Amino doesn't want Noriko to be her partner anymore. Oh, right. Um... Oh, then there's the then there's fucking Smith, obviously. Oh yeah, Smith. Uh, so they uh. they do like a little. So after Amino like kicks Noriko out of her bed or whatever, they the other girls play like a ghost game. Yeah, because they're because they're all like because the like the ship that they're on is like going into like hyperspace or whatever, and they all have to like hunker down in their in their bedroom for no reason. Um, and then, so during that, they, like, they, they dare each other to, like, go out and, like, tie a ribbon around, like, some part of the, the spaceship that has nobody in it, because everybody's, like, hunkered down inside their bedroom, and while she's doing this, she meets Smith, a character who is created to die. I know, it's so, like, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, his, he has an equivalent in Top Gun, but... It, 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 he's he's used much more efficiently in Gunbuster. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the what Smith reminded me of? I haven't ever seen Top Gun. Have you seen? Did you have you ever seen Suicide Squad? No. Good. Um, so uh, a thing that happens in Suicide Squad, the very bad DC Comics movie, is that um, there's like the the whole like first like hour of that movie is edited like a like a movie trailer and like every single major character in that movie gets introduced like three or four times because they keep trying to keep the pace up which means that they can't uh introduce characters properly uh it's a complete fucking, it's a complete fucking nightmare um and so everyone at this point everyone has gotten like a title card and like several conversations and like just like keeping to reintroduce them and so that you remember who all of these people are and then like right as like they're about to actually go and do something like a guy gets off a van and rick flag is like that slipknot he can climb anything and then <laughs> and, and everybody's like okay cool and so then as soon as they're like actually out there like on a mission uh somebody captain boomerang i think tricks slipped down into trying to escape and rick flag detonates the his bomb collar and like the only thing that slipknot exists for is to prove that like the collars around their necks are actually explosive and they will actually die if they try to escape <laughs> and so but it's so obvious like it's so like i don't care that slipknot is dead because his, he got a single sentence of introduction which is just like he can climb anything cool <laughs> I mean, yeah, Smith, to be fair, is has slightly more purpose in this one. I mean, like, he's introduced, and then and then they get attacked, um, and because Nor because Amino has has ditched Baby Girl, it's it's Noriko and Smith, and so for the first time, Noriko has like a supportive partner, uh, and it emphasizes how you need. A good partner to like keep your keep you from yeah. panicking, keep them from panicking, like working. Yeah. working you need a hot boyfriend to keep yourself together. That's because you're, you're a fragile woman in oh, space. No. Um, and then, and then yeah, and then him dying like the scene her that she has yeah. to like fucking get her shit together and. 
be able to protect yeah. other people instead of always being looked after. Yeah. The scene the scene where he dies, I actually really, really love that bit because it really takes advantage of the fact that Noriko is the perspective character. So, like, it's just a bunch of shots of her panicking in her mech as she doesn't know what she's doing because she's never fought anybody in space before. And she's just sort of, like, floating helplessly there as shit happens that she doesn't understand and nobody else understands. And people are dying and there's nothing that she can do about it and she's freaking the fuck out. It's really good. It's, like, yeah. really well... It's really well executed, I think. Because it, it really... it it Because you you don't see anything else that's happening apart from her just, like, freaking out about the fact that everybody's dying... Um, it really puts you in the place that she's in of of like of of that kind of complete helplessness because you you're too nervous and shitty to d actually manage to accomplish anything because you only got okay. into space because of your fucking dad. And we don't actually see Smith die. He, yeah, like she's she's panicking and like we're in her head, and then he's gone. Yeah, yeah, and and like it's it's very like oh he just died like off screen, and like it could have been really really bad. Like, like, done really, really bad. They're like, oh, you know, he died, you know, somewhere over there. Like, in this very, like, <laughs> in this very, like, sh like, tell, don't show kind of way. But it actually, I think it actually winds up working. Yeah. Um, and then she, this is also another parallel to Ava, which I imagine I'll talk about more when we watch Ava, is that, like, both of these shows, their protagonist's primary struggle is their inability to accomplish anything and their their reliance on other people, on other people's approval for their self-worth. Mm -hmm. um, and Shinji has this way worse than, than Noriko does. Um, but but Noriko definitely, like, relies very strongly on the approval of, of, of Coach and on the approval of Amano and on, like, the hypothetical approval of her dad. Um, yeah. in order to justify, like, her presence in space and her failure in, in, in that regard, like, makes her, makes her realize that she can't do that anymore. Um, and it's done way more dramatically in Ava, as in they spend the final two episodes giving Shinji a PowerPoint presentation about how he <laughs> needs to stop being such a fucking shithead. Um, <laughs> but, um... But yeah, like it was, it was interesting to see that developed, and it's also interesting that that happens halfway through the series. Yeah. Um, like her main like character conflict gets resolved halfway through the show, which is well, not. I mean, it, it's it's not fully resolved. It's not fully resolved, but it's like like she undergoes like this massive character growth and becomes like a com like a completely different person in a way that that Shinji doesn't do until the last episode of the last two episodes of Ava and that she does like halfway through and then it's like all right cool we'll spend the last three episodes getting into cool space fights yeah because I mean there's definitely in the next episode when coach is like all right now it's time for you to fucking do something um yeah I mean the, the first time she's uh the first time Noriko is sent out into space she just get a whole bunch of fucking PTSD flashbacks and loses her shit yeah um, and uh. so like it's 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 not it's it's not a completely different person it's a, it's a, it's it's done reasonably well yeah yeah like she like it's not abrupt or anything like that like i feel like it, it's it's carried at a reasonable pace because because in, in episode four what happens is she decides to pilot gunbuster which is the title 
the title character, the title character, the titular Gunbuster. <laughs> um, and the Gunbu- Gunbuster is like a big fucking super cute Gundamat. Does she decide or does Coach decide for her? No, because she decides because like the big tension is, I, I think, is that like nobody else wants her to. And she's like, no, the only way that we're going to win this is if I pilot this incomplete fucking giant Gundamass mech. Um, and I don't know. I think Coach is on. I do believe Coach is on her side in it. Um, but I think she, she, I don't think she's being forced into it by Coach. I think she decides. Oh, we're talking about, we're talking about near the end. I thought I was, I was looking, I was thinking about what happens in the beginning. Um, cause I don't remember what happens at the beginning. The only thing that I remember about episode four, I didn't even write any notes about episode four. Um, cause the only, the only thing that I remember about episode four is, is that end bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think she has her flashbacks when, just when they're having like a mock battle. Uh, oh, cause yeah, Helga decides to be a bitch again uh, for character development. And then uh, Amano and Coach have this conversation where Amano's like, "If you if you keep sending her out, she's gonna fucking die." And Coach says, "What does he say? When you spill milk, pour some more." <laughs> like, is he is he implying that the pilots are expendable, or that Noriko can like refill herself and get over it? I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just a bad translation. And when but... you pill, okay, the second one makes more sense to me. Like, when you spill milk, pour more into the cup. But like, I do like the idea of when you spill milk, just pour more on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, might as well throw that good money after bad. Toss that baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> um, I'm looking at I'm looking at the plot summary on Wikipedia, and yeah. So what happens in um, in episode four? This plot summary is not split up by episodes, but what happens is in it, what happens in episode four is that like like after oh. that initial fight where um, where Noriko loses loses Smith, they like retreat to Earth and then get attacked. And then, like, they get attacked in subspace, and then, like, almost everybody dies. And then Noriko takes control of Gunbuster to force the enemy to retreat. So then they all go back to Earth in episode four. This is where the time dilation stuff really comes into play, because once they get back, they've been traveling at at light speed for long enough that ten years has has passed on Earth while they've only been in space for, like, a few days. Yeah, Yeah, I thought the beginning of episode five was really well done. Like, yeah. Kind of like the alienation of yeah. I mean, it's because like oh, oh, not only like is she like now a soldier with fucking PTSD going back to like civilian life temporarily, but like all her friends yeah. <laughs> are grown up and have kids. Because she she got to uh, she got to go and uh, and and meet up with Kimiko, who is the girl who is who she does jump ropes with in the first episode, and her friend, and she has like a daughter and all that stuff, and it. It reminded me, and it's just sort of reminded me of this now, like, of, of, like, the idea of, have you, have you ever seen, uh, The World's End, the, the, uh, the Edgar Wright movie? No. Okay, uh, so The World's End is, is, it's, def- it's the worst of the, the, the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, um, uh, but it's still, it's still pretty good, and it, it, it is, in a lot, it reminded me of this in, in, in the sense that, like, um, Simon Pegg in The World's End plays this dude who's coming back to his his like town to like visit with all of his friends, um, and he finds that like that like he has changed a lot and the people around him 
have changed in different ways and like the town itself hasn't really changed at all and like the 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 sort of the thing that happens at the end of that movie is that it turns out that the town hasn't changed at all because they've all been replaced by aliens um <laughs> Uh, but but it, it reminded me of of that sort of like interacting with with people like like all of her friends on earth having like done like the normal thing of like oh you grow up and you go to you, you you go to college and then you have kids and you have a family and like you get married and all that stuff and she's like still 17 like <laughs> not just metaphorically as in the world's end but also literally as in like because time dilation Right, right. Um, which I think is really, really interesting. And, and they're also, like, like the Earth is, like, building, like, a huge spaceship to, like, defend the Earth in case this this the space-terrible monster crowd attacks them. Uh, so that, then uh, Amano and Coach get into a fight because... Um, why did they initially get into a fight? I mean... Oh, yeah, because... Uh, we find out that Coach is sick, but... She, um, they're fighting for a different reason. Yeah, because Coach. The yeah, because because Coach is has like space radiation sickness and he's coughing up blood and he's gonna die soon. And they're going to send. And they get into they get into a big fight for some reason. And I yeah, don't. I'm, to, I, I'm looking at the subtitles now, trying to remember what the fight was about. Um, I don't know if it was just. I think he. I think. I think she just wanted him to like marry her or something. Yeah, I think she was trying to like confess her feelings to Coach. Um, yeah, so she's trying to confess her feelings to Coach, and they get into a big fight, um, and they get they find out that like some huge space monster is coming towards Earth, or a huge like like group of space monsters is coming toward towards Earth, um, and so they decide to send. And I don't really understand how this works. They decided to, like, send Noriko's dad's spaceship as, like, a black hole bomb. And I don't know... I don't know how that works. Oh, right. Well, they they put some... They they either, like, put something in it or shoot it with something that'll, like, instigate a black hole. Yeah, um, I, but, I don't really know how that, how that yeah. works. But then, like, Noriko's gonna pilot the gunbuster there. Yeah, um, now that she's, like, come into her own. Yeah, she now that she's Amano, not, yeah. She, well, she and Amino are supposed yeah. to go up, because, like, yeah. now that it's complete, it needs two drivers. Yeah. Uh, but this radiation sickness that Coach has, like, might be terminal, so he might be dead when they get back. And so now it's Amino's turn to, like, freak out and lose her nerve. Uh, and the Kuai becomes the Senpai. And, like, this is part... This is kind of where, like, sometimes the fast pace of the show works against it because so i was expecting this to be six hour long episodes but it's actually like six 20 minute long episodes um so like if these episodes were an hour long i feel like i feel like that could have been executed a bit better because it's like she she starts freaking out and then norika is like get your shit together and then she's like oh right i can do that um, <laughs> um, and, and it, it's it's very like low uh it, it's very low stakes um but they they but you know they succeed. They blow up the thing. They you know whatever. They they go back and the coach is still alive. And then Amino gets married yeah. uh, to him. And this so the, here's the thing. I'm really really bad at reading romantic subtext, especially heterosexual romantic subtext. So this came out of <laughs> fucking nowhere for me. Cause you said Which, cause you said that it was like implied that that her and coach were fucking. I did not yeah. pick up on that at all. I had oh. I I didn't notice. I like just didn't. I just didn't. 
it's uh. it's only because it's because it's, it's only in like the opening like credit sequence when they're like they're doing like a joint karaoke thing, and the song is about like being a couple, and I was like ah ah, ah. okay. Um, um, yeah, I did not yeah, pick I, up on that at all, and it felt like it came out of nowhere. And I think I wrote yeah. that in my in my notes. I wasn't I wasn't one hundred percent sure. Like in my notes, I was like, I said it because she's boning coach, but I I wasn't one hundred percent sure if that was what was happening because yeah, it was pretty subtle. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, <laughs> the first the I just looked at my notes for episode five. The first the first note I have in this file is the nipples, and I don't <laughs> know why. <laughs> um, well, and then I uh, also later on I had I said everyone is so nude all the time in this show. Is this the episode where? They have the super gratuitous where Noriko is like she like flops back onto her bed to be all melancholy and I like she's wearing a tank she's wearing a tank four. top and no bra underneath and right, so she right, flops right. onto her back and then her shirt flops around and you just they're just like yeah we're drawing her nipples because we can do that. I'm pretty sure that is episode four when she's sulking before she de- decides to pull herself together and jump in Gunbuster. No, I I thought that was uh, later. I thought that was on Earth. I thought that was after. That was when they meet up with with Kimiko. Um, oh yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Uh, um, and then then we have episode six, and episode six is probably my favorite. Was probably my favorite. Oh episode. yeah. Yeah. Episode, episode six, six, was, six was, was definitely was real good. Was definitely the best episode. Um, so what's then, really cool? Oh, go ahead. Go, no, go on. No, you. Oh, you is said. how is how it's almost entirely in black and white. Yes. Um, um it's I, in black and white, and it's also in like a really wide aspect ratio. Uh, or at least oh. my copy was. Let's see. Let me see if uh, mine is two. Because all the other episodes uh, are in four by three, and this one is it's 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 oh, not it's even right. wider than sixteen by nine. Um, yeah, so it kind of has like it kind of has like a historical film feeling to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, to which which like because they're in subspace and th- they're kind of outside of time, um, and then like halfway through during the battle scene when they've run out of money and it's just a bunch of like pans over mm-hmm. over pen and ink sketches uh, oh yeah that was that was also extremely like extremely evangelian move <laughs> of like taking advantage of the fact that you've run out of money to produce something that looks really cool yeah because it all it also like it also it also looks like like a historical documentary like this yeah. is what the the space battle yeah because like the final space battle in episode six so, like, the thing that happens in episode six is they decide, like, they're going to send Gunbuster out to, like, finally, like, like end, it all. end it all and destroy the space monsters once and, once and for all. So um, the idea they had in episode five of using that ship to, like, create a small black hole, they're like, what if we just built a big one? And make an even bigger one to just, like, send to the heart of the alien place and destroy them entirely, which is exactly what they do in Ender's Game, right? Um, so this is what they do in Ender's Game is they have like they have like a big I guess that is exactly what they do in Ender's Game they have like a big space battle Um, yeah and they're trying to trying to make room for this to get in to set off this bomb yeah Uh, all I remember is the big space battle and then I remember the like several the like long section where Ender realizes that it wasn't training and then he's really sad that he just murdered a bunch of people Right, and um, and, and uh, Amano has a conversation. So we ha- we ha- we have another time skip because so Amano stays on Earth, gets married to Coach. Noriko stays in space doing space things. So their ages diverge. So 
episode um, six, Noriko is still like 17, 18 or whatever, but Amano is like in her 40s now. Yeah, she's much older. Uh, I wouldn't say she's in her forties. She looks like she's in like her thirties. She's she got voice. like a she got like a a shorter haircut, which is now you know you know she's an adult. Um, <laughs> so she's going up back up to space to help pilot this this uh, nuclear bomb. Also, the and she has a the other thing, she has a conversation. Oh, sorry. The uh, the other thing that I uh, that I noticed and I'm and I that I wrote in my notes is that it's like Hideaki Anno just learned what lower thirds are while making these last two episodes because there is pretty <laughs> much always a fucking lower third title on the screen uh, in this in this episode. It's very I don't. It's a it's a bold decision. What do you mean a lower? Th- I mean a title. Like a like in like yeah like the. Um, like where it says like like Australia, not much damage here oh. or whatever. Like all of those. Like there's tons of those. Just like constantly oh, okay. in this episode, it's very strange. It, when there <laughs> were there, it wasn't in much of the earlier episodes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, when Amino is going up into space to like return to service and pilot this nuke, uh, she has a conversation with like a some random officer, and he's like. Is it isn't this kind of insanely fucked up to like commit preemptive genocide? Uh, and she's like, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> and and like okay, like at, at least you're like not doing the normal like mech superhero movie action movie line, but like that they they just leave, leave it there. It's like yeah, we might be the assholes here. Yeah, but we're gonna do it, but we're gonna do it anyway. And it's never it's never really challenged after that, which is funny. But it's also but that's when I that's when all the Ender's Game kind of comparisons started jangling in my head. Yeah, I didn't even um, think about that until I just made the comparison to Spear for the Dead yeah, um, earlier. But, but even though it came, like even though the Ender's Game came out, I think in '85, so a few years before, I don't know if it would have been would have been translated. I don't know if this is actually what happened, or if it just happened to be that's what people were thinking about in the '80s when we had the Soviets. Yeah, because it's know. definitely it's definitely more sim- it's, defi- it's it's not similar enough for me to say that like there's definitely an influence here because Ender's Game spends a lot of time after the battle like dwelling on the sort of awfulness of what they've just done and also it, right. in Speaker for right. the Speaker for the Dead is basically entirely a deconstruction of that. Yeah, is like is like entirely just like picking apart like like the sort of rationale behind that by having like a different alien species and like different sort of motivations. Is for it violence. different? Or I thought, it, I thought yeah. it was like the, the last survivor. No, what, the... the last survivor is, plays a role in speaker for the dead, but the main plot of speaker for the dead is about the piggies. Oh, okay. Uh, who like kill humans and plant trees in them. Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, and it turns out it's a big misunderstanding and it's just like the piggies think that that's that like humans turn into trees too. Um, I mean, some humans might get off on that, so... Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> um, um, okay, so... The, so um, old exclamation point, Amano has a tearful reunion with baby Noriko. And let's see. anything. Does anything important happen in the first half? Not really. They get into a big fight. Uh, there's like a futuristic hollow vine... Like a like a like a short looping video, but it's a hologram. Oh yeah, that that's kind of cute. I just thought of, okay. I was just looking at that and I'm like, man, imagine if back at again Krispy Kreme was like a hologram. <laughs> um, uh, like yeah, uh, what, what, who's the who's the, her friend's name? 
Kimiko? Kimiko, oh, yeah. yeah, Kimiko sends that vine of her baby daughter, right? Yeah. Uh, up to up to Noriko. Yeah. Um, God, imagine then, the better future that it would be if we had holographic vines. Then fucking young Freud shows up again. Uh, yeah, young and Freud is there. Um, the whole the gang's all here. This was the point. I missed her name when she was first introduced. This is the point at which I realized her name was Young Freud. <laughs> See, that was, like, the first time I just, like, spammed all caps in my notes. Yeah. Uh, young Freud! Like, holy shit, Young Freud. I wrote in my notes for instance, it is completely fucking insane. There's a character in the show named Young Freud. Carl Young Sigmund Freud. <laughs> like, they were like, that's what Russians are named, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. Good. It's good times. Um, um, anyway, yeah, we have a brief scene of Noriko and Young in their underwear. So just just as a kind of a nice little send-off. Yeah. Um, um, I, wrote, I wrote here, there's a bit where they talk They talk about, like, they talk about God. And I wrote, I wrote do, in here, quote, know. God is dead, anime. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, so, the, so the, the, the battle plan is to, like, is to like bring up the um this bomb create a diversion maybe and then um get it close enough to detonate but the aliens have some trick up their sleeves and end up destroying most of the fleet and disabling the bomb is that right yeah or something i honestly this episode looks really cool i could not follow it i had to i had to look up a plot summary <laughs> In order to figure have, out what the I mean, fuck have, is happening, a bunch of like techno babble during during yeah. the battle, uh, and so some so yeah somehow the the bomb can't like detonate. Itself. Oh yeah, they okay. So I'm looking at the plot sub right now, and it says, however, when the time comes to activate, they find out the enemy's attacks have damaged two percent of the quote slave generators required for implosion. Right, right. they are called slave generators. That's bad. Um, Woo! Oof! Yikes! What can I say but yikes? Uh, there's, there's a new anime coming out this season that's like down with slavery. <laughs> we're making we're making pro- real progress. Do you mean down with uh, slavery, as in like like they they don't like slavery, or down with slavery, as in like I'm totally down with slavery? Yeah, the second one, like the main character <laughs> has, like a, has like a slave, and it's like totally cool or something. Fuck. Anyway, God, um, good lord, Crunchyroll has been like promoting this thing nonstop. God. Point is, everything is fucked. Nothing gets better. Yeah. Um, Amino and Noriko are like, if we get into Gunbuster, go inside the bomb, we can manually set it off. Yeah, but that means that they'll have to like, like be severely time dilated, um, right? In order to get back home for some reason. Something weird is going to happen with. I don't. Time, yeah, right? I don't know what would happen, but basically, Assume, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the thing that happens is they they set off the bomb, and then they they travel home at light speed. And for them, only hours have passed, but for on Earth, twelve thousand years have passed. And I wrote, and the thing that happens in the final thing is that for some reason she has to like tear Gunbuster apart uh, while she's inside of it, and to do this, she has to like rip her shirt open and, and pull her titty yeah. out. Um, because and something my friend noticed anime. that I didn't when I was making the the gif of that um, is that like her undershirt is like is like already prepped so that one only one titty is out. <laughs> 
So like if you if you look if I'll I'll post the like if we have a link section. Yeah, we'll have it. We'll, we'll, it'll put it in the show notes. Um, but like yeah, you see under like her undershirt, it's like I'm I'm bringing this up. They could have just have her have her rip it rip both her suit and undershirt, but like they didn't. Instead, they had the undershirt only covering one titty, and so oh, they totally they could, did. That's so strange. I know it's bizarre. It's hilarious. I love it. I no, uh, I th- the undershirt is ripped. I think she ripped like a section off of her undershirt. It's that's weird. That's a, that, I didn't. It didn't even occur to me how weird it is that that it happened like that. Yeah, no, I hadn't noticed either until my fucking horny ass friends. Anyway. Yeah, so they so they succeed. Gunbuster is like wrecked, but they somehow survive. They have a tearful goodbye with young Freud. Um and she's like, Promise you'll return home. They're like, We promise. Of course, young Freud is mad dead when they get back. Oh yeah. Um but somehow people still remember them. Yeah. I mean cause 12, they, I, I imagine because they they saved the whole earth. But then again, twelve thousand years. Ago. I can't remember who I can't remember who saved the Earth twelve thousand years ago. Yeah, twelve thousand years ago. I don't know the name. We don't. I don't know if we know the name of a single person who lived twelve thousand years ago. Because I, uh, I know the the oldest person whose name we know is some like e- Egyptian pharaoh, and that would have been mm. like six thousand years ago. So I don't think we know the name of anybody from twelve thousand years ago. <laughs> and then we get color again, symbolizing their f- uh, f- return to Earth for good this time. Blah blah. Um. blah. Yeah, so they uh, so they they get home. Uh, I wrote in my notes. Uh, I wrote in my notes. Twelve thousand years have passed, and I've had my titties out this whole time. <laughs> we were supposed, and then they they get home, and like the Earth, like they they like built like a bunch of lights on the Earth to spell out "Welcome Home" in Japanese. Right. Um, but they, they like spelled the, the last, ca- the last letter backwards. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that in the Wikipedia thing too. Yeah. Um, which is funny. Um, oh, but yeah, I, I do realize that we, we said we were supposed, we were going to briefly summarize this show. And then we have in fact spent the better part of half an hour summarizing this show. Um, uh, we've been recording for an hour. We've been recording for an hour, but we spent like the first 15 minutes just talking about general impressions. Oh, if yeah. I recall correctly. Uh, well, we cut, we we interspersed our summary with, uh, with our impressions, tr- yeah. with our with our trenchant analysis. Our trenchant analysis, yes, indeed. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, so you liked this show more than you expected. Yeah, because I mean, it was it was what a better, more well executed. I mean, um, like especially the last episode was yeah, very well made, um, which is more than you can say for I mean most movies let alone most anime. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it was silly and ridiculous and not actually that deep, but it was yeah. fun and um, yeah, visually... I had, yeah, I had a good time watching it, and it looks... It's a very good-looking show. Yeah. Um, I, uh... <laughs> I kind of want... You can you can shoot this, this idea down. I kind of just want to do a segment where we read... Or at least discuss my anime list reviews for the shows that we talk about. <laughs> because oh, hell yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so we're gonna do we're gonna do that. Because um, <laughs> I I did look, um, I did look at the the my anime list reviews for Gunbuster, uh, and the fir- the most the the most helpful review on here 
uh, is has an awful opening paragraph. It's from 2009, and it says, There is an ongoing controversy about Neon Genesis Evangelion and its status as an iconic anime. As much as I dislike the main characters, I have to agree that NGE is a classic anime for many reasons. However, many diehard fans of the show become blinded to NGE's superior Oni-chan, this show which marked the directorial debut debut of Hideaki Anno in anime. Tapo oh, in there. hell yeah. I, there are seven, this review is really, really long, um, and there's lots of, there's lots of bad reviews on my anime list of this show, um, okay, I hadn't read this whole really long review, uh, Gunbuster's usage of jiggling breasts wasn't actually meant as fan service originally, although many now see it that way. The original reason why they were included was because Anno wanted the characters to move as a real-life person would move. It's unfortunate that many viewers nowadays will automatically see bouncing breasts and base the worth of a show on their inclusion because they don't like fan service or love it far too much. Look beyond the boobs! Look beyond the boobs! Oh my god. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so like the the broad consensus among the people, the kinds of people who write reviews of Gunbuster on my anime list is that Gunbuster is vastly superior to Evangelion. That's not true. Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna like say like like how kind of almost underwhelming the ending is, because um, like as good as the episode is, and like um, like I mentioned how they kind of bring up like the one deep point which is this like basically committing genocide and then just drop it completely and it ends with this kind of bittersweet happy ending where that's kind of no i mean they they go back presumably they're war heroes but like we don't re- we never we don't see them kind of cope with the fact that 12,000 years have passed like yeah. everyone they know has died um it just kind of ends yeah. on that happy note, and it's, yeah. So it's a little kind of yeah. bizarre. It, it 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 because so the thing is is that with this show, the, so Anno has done this show, and then he did Evangelion, and then he did End of Evangelion, and then he did the rebuilds of Evangelion, and they're all kind <laughs> of they're all kind of orbiting around similar ideas, especially when it comes to their protagonist sort of character arc, and it makes me feel like. This is an idea that he just like sort of keeps in like in like his back pocket all the time, and then like he keeps as he like improves as an artist and as a writer, like he keeps going back to it and being like, no, 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 I can do this better. Um, (laughs) Right. I'm very like maybe eventually uh, in twelve thousand years we'll finally get uh, we'll finally get Evangelion (laughs) rebuild three point oh plus one point oh so that that show can have three so that show can have three fucking endings. Um, and, and we'll finally see what the, the final form of what Anna thinks the end of Shinji's, uh, the end of Shinji's character arc should have been. Um, but that's something that like, like the, the sort of like third to last episode of, of Evangelion is fucking really emotionally intense and it like nothing really happens in it like action wise. And uh-huh. it, it ends with, and I'm not going to spoil it cause we're going to watch Ava and you haven't seen it. Um, and it ends with this extremely emotionally intense moment, and then the next two episodes are spent with the the fucking PowerPoint presentation sort of dealing with the emotional fallout of that, and it felt like this show needed something like that. Right. Like, it, it, right. this show does not care, like, Ava cares about the character's interiority in a way that this show doesn't really. Yeah. Um, like, the, we don't have a lot of time with the characters alone or with the characters, like, interacting with each other because the show... Ha- yeah, I mean, has I mean, it has so little time 
really. Other than Noriko and, and her, like, her episode three, like, crisis. That's the most kind of... Yeah, like, like we get that, but we don't really get it for any of the other characters. Um, you know, we get we get Amano, but she gets, like, two seconds. <laughs> yeah, um, I was, yeah, I was gonna say, like, her her kind of bit of, bit of personal emotional development is, like, I don't want daddy to die. Fucking um, get yourself together. It also... Get your shit together, girl. Okay. To go back to the, to go back to the Miami list reviews briefly, every single person, and this shouldn't be surprising, but every single person who writes a review for the show calls it by its Japanese name instead of gun, calling it Gunbuster. Uh, which, yeah, that, that tells you everything that you need to know. <laughs> um... <laughs> It's like the it's fucking it's fucking nerd anime shitlords who call it Shingeki no Kyojin instead of Attack on Titan, and you Im- immediately know that they belong to the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> because the worst thing about them calling this is at this point this isn't even related to this show, but I'm gonna complain about it anyway because I have a platform now. The worst thing about fucking nerds calling it Shingeki no Kyojin is they abbreviate it to SNK, and SNK is fucking already a fucking thing. Oh, it is a fucking God. Japanese. It's a fucking Japanese video game company. Right, right, right. Like, you can't do that. Like, <laughs> SNK already exists, and it denotes something much better. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, that's that's something. Anyway. Um, so that's Gunbuster. I think I think we've covered Gunbuster adequately. Yeah? Um, I, feel, I feel like we've covered Gunbuster adequately. So, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for watching. Uh, Alex, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter, at Dun Dun Dun. That is D-U-N-N, three times. On Mastodon, at Catalina at Selfie.Army. You can find me at Prophet underscore Goddess on Twitter and at Prophet underscore Goddess at Skeleton.Cool on Mastodon. Uh, you can find the podcast at anchor.fm slash anime is for jerks. You can find the podcast on Twitter at anime is for jerks. Uh, oh, wow. That, was, that wasn't that was claimed? It was not claimed, yeah. Uh, you can email us at anime is for jerks at gmail.com. Uh, Good lord. Email us about your, uh, about your thoughts about what we're going to watch next. And what we're going to watch next month is we're going to watch the 1995 film Ghost in the Shell, uh, which neither of us have ever seen. So I'm very much looking forward to that. It's got a lot of nudity just on the poster. So yeah. we'll continue our we'll continue our track record of <laughs> our titty counter. Only the horniest programs. <laughs> um, so thanks everybody for watching. She changed the name from anime watching. for jerks to anime is for purrs. Anime is for I. What's the difference really? Hey. So yeah. So thanks everybody for listening. We will see you in about a month or so. Yeah.